Hello and welcome to episode 287 of the Weird Science DC Comics podcast. This is a spotlight episode, a more streamlined deal with just myself, Jim, talking about a bunch of books. If you like what you hear, you can go off and listen to the more expanded podcast that we do every Sunday night, the main show that I do with Eric. Now, I say this is streamlined, so we're going to get right into this. We're going to start with... The Terrifics, number 27, an issue written by Jean Luan Yang, pencils by Sergio Davilia, inks by Vicente Civuentes, and colors by Proto Bunker, and letters by Tom Napolitano. I think that Jean Luan Yang is a gem. A lot of people are finally discovering the new Superman book that he had at the beginning of Rebirth. Also recently having the Superman Smashes the Clan. That was an awesome book as well. And now taking over from Jeff Lemire to continue this whole Terrifics team. Pretty darn neat indeed. And this issue ends up fully having the introduction of a new team that joined at the end of last issue as the Calvary kind of joining in to help the Terrifics team. It's the T Council, Ryan Choi Adam, Ted Cord Blue Beetle, Tesla Strong, Manbat, Shea Veritas, Silas Stone, Cyborg's father, and Tom Strong joining what's already a cool team of Mr. Terrific, Plastic Man, Metamorpho, and Phantom Girl. And you have this. Now, one thing I do want to bring up that I ended up seeing, and if you are somebody who has enjoyed, say, the Teen Titans that is coming out at the moment, uh, in particular, really liking Roundhouse, he's on the cover. I think he was supposed to be in this. He is there, it seems, on the cover, maybe as part of... The T Council, but never quite made it, but that's kind of a cool deal. And maybe we'll see him in the next bunch of issues. But I said that this T Council, this Superman, or Superman, the superhero science team, which is cool and very golden age in my mind, show up to help the Terrifics fight off demons that they ended up encountering below Gateway City. Now, the reason they're down there, in a quick little recap, is that Simon Stagg found out that he had incurable cancer, made a deal with the devil, which then pretty much seemed to doom a bunch of people that were on the maiden voyage of a terrific tech-Stagg Industries combo of hard light holographic monorails in town it seems a little confusing if it is to you you can go back and read issue number 26 or as a bit of a commercial i ended up reviewing it on our patreon account in a catch-up episode this past week to get ready for this over at patreon.com slash weird science but really all you need to know is this are two cool teams fighting it out and introducing themselves to each other if they don't know each other already because some of the characters like tesla and tom strong they have been in this book already but you do get some cool bits of dialogue between characters if you ever thought boy i need a buddy cop version of man bat and ted cord blue beetle this is set up here and why i love gene luan yang and i'll go on and on about gene luan yang he's a gem but one of the things that i see here and one of the things this terrific book has proven to me is he's great with teams he ends up being able to focus on the teams yes this issue kind of has some force things to get them separated but it ends up being a separation so that you can get a little more going on between the teams and things like that but i would love for him to 
get on a bigger book again. I would love for him to be on a Teen Titans. I would really love him to be on Young Justice and the Legion of Superheroes. I think he'd do a good job on both of those. And I just want to let you know, people, if you don't think Gene Loring's, he's an Eisner Award winning comic book writer. He's not a joke. And he's, you know, and I don't think people think he's a joke, but when I go on and on about him, he deserves all the praise he gets. But one thing I will tell you that I love about him the most, he's an extremely smart fella, doesn't use the comic books to prove that. What he uses the comic books to do is write a really good comic book story, a really good comic book story that usually ends up being all ages. And he's very concerned about younger kids getting into this hobby of ours to make it viable in years to come you need some young kids jumping in to read these books or this whole thing is going to die and he's very concerned about that but again i want to point out he is a highly highly intelligent fella who doesn't need to prove it with his comics he just wants to come here have fun and write a good comic so when you go through this that's what you're going to get you get a lot of action demons fighting both the t council and the terrifics you do go above ground above into gateway city proper where you end up seeing the robot stegatron who i think is funny he ends up being a bodyguard and hype man for simon he's having some problems he's glitching out he's coming out of the holopod transit system door where sapphire simon's daughter sees him and says hey what's going on stegatron and this is a weird deal where he's like I ended up running into and having an altercation with the Terrifics. Well, that that should put some light bulbs in with Sapphire. Like, what do you mean by that? Like, well, what's going on? But you do end up going on quickly with a deal. And, and Stegatron looks like he's gotten the crap kicked out of him, which he did. But he ends up saying, I have unfortunate news. Your father is dead. I do not have any life signs. And she's like, I don't believe it. He's like, well, I have to initiate protocol of succession. I'll stop my robot voice. He's going to end up the protocol of succession now that you ended up having Simon Stagg program this, that if his vital signs stop, he is, Stegatron is to go to the preferred progeny, to Simon Stagg's preferred, you know, son, daughter, whatever, to be able to now control Stagg Industries. So, Sapphire obviously knows it's her and says, no, 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 I'm not going to accept this. I think my dad's alive. You're going to now go. And and before she can even really get through anything, Stegatron's basically like, you are not the preferred progeny and goes off saying, I'm going to go find the. And it leaves her like, what the heck just happened? I mean, I'm not the preferred one. It's a crazy twist. We'll see how it plays out. But you go down below Gateway City in this underground again, where you have all both teams, all these characters fighting these demon goblin things where all of a sudden this other goblin demon comes out. And if you are reading the book, you realize, oh, my God, it's Mr. Terrific's son transformed into a demon. We ended up one. It's one of the reasons they went down below and what Plastic Man's really concerned with, because when Stag disappeared with all these other people, so did Luke, Plastic Man's son. He comes out looking like a demon, which you end up having Plastic Man thinks that this is a play. Hey, son, Luke, you, you don't have to pretend anymore. It's us. You're with friends. You don't have to be an ugly monster. I don't think that he's pretending there, Plastic Man. He has been transformed into a demon. So they end up almost killing him and i say uh them i mean silas stone he goes to blast luke with a sonic cannon thank god 
that you end up having Plastic Man kind of stop it before it ends up hitting. And Tom Strong goes and pretty much tackles Luke out of the way. But they're going to kind of fight the whole deal here. But they realize it's Luke. And you end up having Plastic Man want to get Luke away from this whole area. Maybe if I get him away from this area, he'll revert back. Maybe it's some sort of control. Maybe this whole deal, let me get him away. And they say, sadly, no, we can't let you do that because he's our only ticket to finding out who's the bad guy. We have to let him go and follow him back to where he came from to see if he can lead us to whatnot. Now, it looks like he just goes down the one alley that you have to go, but they do end up coming to a crossroads where you end up having Man Bat because of his hearing. He ends up hearing whispering down the one lane, whisper down the lane, and the other one, though, is where Luke went. So the Terrifics say, we're going to split up. We'll go and follow Luke. While you, the tea council, you go off and see what's going on with this whispering. They think that it might be these missing people. So they go down and they do find, in fact, it is the missing people who are being transformed into demons like Luke. Well, the big thing with the Terrifics going down, following Luke, they end up finding Stag. They do end up finding Simon Stag, who has a weird deal where, to me, it's like the anglerfish. You end up having him out of the darkness. What are you doing, Terrifics team? I told you not to follow me. Go away. Get nonsense. Well, then as the shadows pull away, you see that he's attached to this crazy-looking, ugly demon. Like I said, you end up having Stag almost like the little light of the fish. Now you see the monstrosity connected to that light, and it is Sloruko. The Blind Monster King. And the funny thing is he says that, though he has a bunch of eyes. And you're like, okay, I guess those don't work. But they seem like he sees. And he does say he ended up eating a fella that came down below. And the fella that came down below was a worker of Stag Industries that accidentally fell into this cavern, got eaten by this demon. Stag ended up trying to cover it up. He didn't want this getting out. Uh, because that's bad press. But unfortunately for that guy, but fortunately for a monster king who was blind, eating this guy actually gave Sloruku the memories of this guy, but also his eyes. So now he can see. He thinks this is the greatest. Also, he ends up having Stag's memories. Anybody that he consumes, assimilates, whatnot. Because at this moment, Stag seems like Quado, you know, basically from the Arnold Schwarzenegger movie, Total Recall, and I went, free your mind. We'll have that, Quaid. But that's not happening. But he is kind of attached there. And it's one of those, hey, now I have Stag's memories, which does allow him to even access Mr. Trevick's T-spheres because they're at an impasse here. How do you attack and win against a demon monster with the guy that you want to save attached to him? Well, you end up getting a assist. You end up getting like a Wayne Gretzky assist from Stag because Stag being connected is also able to share things with Sloruku like their will. He even says, I have Sloruku's memories as well. Not much memories. He, he kind of was down here for a while in the dark just talking to himself. So, hey, that really wasn't a plus, but I can control his will, which I will do now to make him not move so you guys can attack and attack him, take him down. You end up the, you know, go terrifics, go their catchphrase. They do start attacking plastic man really wallops him with a fist, but they end up bringing this monster down. 
which then ends up where we go to the tea council they did find that a lot of the people that are missing are being turned into monsters and cocoons but they all of a sudden start reverting back to their selves when you end up defeating Sloruku here so they're going to be there fine they're going to go and find their loved ones up in the city but you end up having you stags here he still has cancer he's not going to live forever it seems now although he's really not because when they pry him out and a funny deal i think that stag at this point may have been involved with this whole deal for possibly five minutes they pry him out and he goes oh my legs again oh man i miss them i'm like for five minutes oh okay but as they pry him out you get that classic in like a cop movie, like a lethal weapon where the dead demon suddenly isn't so dead, gets up and in the lethal weapon, the guy goes to shoot one of our favorite cut and you end up, but this is the demon who then runs a tentacle right through stag and seems to actually kill him. So when they said you have three months or less to live, they meant less because he dead. And so with that though, you have, Rex Metamorpho, he's sad. And there were some moments through this when they did end up finding Stag, where Stag actually finally realizes that Metamorpho cares for Simon, mainly because he loves Sapphire. Him and Sapphire are lovers, hopefully, you know, husband and wife soon and all that. But it's not anything but love. And because of that, because Sapphire loves her father, he loves him as well and it it was a nice moment with that because those two have been at each other this whole series even starting at the very beginning but you then go and see that a bunch of people have gathered around stag industries wanting to know where their family and friends have gone that have disappeared and they you see they're coming up out of the sewer so they're going to be reunited with their loved ones but that's where sapphire sees that maybe she's not going to be reunited with her father. He looks very, very dead with a big hole in the middle of him. The rest of the terrific seem very, very sad with that. Rex is holding him like a Superman, you know, and he's holding him. And it says next, the morning after M-O-U-R-N-I-N-G. So this is going to continue. I like this issue. Didn't like it as much as number 26. I thought the issue before this was really, really strong. This one, not as much, but still a 7.5. I think the art... By Sergio Davila is great. I love the color work by Proto Bunker. It's really good as well. And the story, it does have some feels to it. It does get a little crowded, but that's just because you have so many characters. But Jin Luan Yang is able to give you a little bit from each. You have a thing going through this whole deal where it is a debate that seems to have been from years and years now between Silas Stone, Cyborg's father, and Mr. Terrific about what's more important humanities, uh, you know, uprising and getting humanity better or devising things like cyborgs and robots and that whole deal. I do think that maybe what we're going to get is maybe a bionic stag. Maybe, maybe he'll actually if you put the consciousness in the stegatron. Who knows? But we'll see. But yeah, all this going down, it's pretty good. I'm giving it a 7.5 out of 10. And I'm going to move on to the next book. All right. And the next book is Supergirl number 41, written by Jody Hauser, up by Rachel Stott, Chris Peter on colors, and Tom Napolitano on letters. And this book came out this week as a digital-only book. It was announced that Supergirl would be finishing up with issue 42 
meaning this is the penultimate issue, which I always like to say, right? Hi, everybody! And it's going to end digitally. And with that, it was a weird deal because with the review copies that we do get from DC, this was not included. It didn't seem like DC wanted anybody to know this was coming out. And now these books come out on Tuesday. You know, most people are aware that by now that DC's books come out on Tuesday. And even at this point, at least as I was getting ready to record, I'm going to check again right now. There were only two reviews for this book. And still, there are two reviews for Supergirl because people either didn't know it came out didn't want to get involved in getting it themselves, things like that, or just read it and thought, boy, it's bad. Now, one of the reviews is on our site. Dan reviewed it on our site. The other review is a guy named Ange. And if you're not aware, he has Supergirl Comic Box Commentary, a site that I really, really enjoy. And Ange is the guy who I look at to be the leading force of the Supergirl reviews. I can fake the funk and say that weird science is. That's not the case. Ange is a super fan. Ange has read almost every Supergirl issue out there. We are a site that reviews all the books, things like that, each and every week. Yes, but we don't have the experience and love. He runs a Supergirl site. Now, a lot of times I will say like, oh, these people, they... Ange is, is a guy who does this and is very honest with it. Yes, he likes Supergirl. And when he ends up, and I do look at his reviews, because a lot of times I think, boy, I think something there was something from before, but I can't find it. I can't. Be. So I go and, okay, that and some of these things do elevate scores. If you know what they're homaging or referencing, things like that. Well, we ended up, and Ange's review just came out today. Well, Dan ended up reviewing this issue right away and gave it a 1.5 out of 10. And I was oh, my God. So, and that stood there by itself. Now, it starts to get me worried that DC is going to look at this and say, what the heck is going on here? And get Because nobody else is reviewing it. It's just sitting there at a 1.5. Well, Ange finally did review it. And when I went to it, he gave it a 2 out of 10. This is a guy who loves Supergirl, who loves everything about Supergirl, that wants to have 80 Supergirl books a week come out. But yet this was so bad that he gave it a 2 and an honest 2 with the honest 1.5 out of 10. So now it's sitting two reviews with a 1.8 you know, thing and ended up with user ratings not good either user rating at 3.1 with seven years. So something's going on here. So I end up going to read this and yeah, it, it's awful. It's horrible. And the reason really it's horrible is not just the, you know, the script. It's not the whole art. It's beyond Jody Hauser and Rachel Stott. It is the whole concept that DC has the nerve to treat Supergirl fans as bad as they've been doing this for year on year right now since Brian Michael Bendis came to the DC Comics and had this book canceled and then brought back to only tell stories to tie into other things. Kara did not get her own story throughout all that, even though Mark and Draco and then Jody Hauser tried their best to make things better. I, I think Mark and Draco at points really was on to some things with Xander all these things in space, crypto and Karen space, but all that was was Rogozar. 
then all of a sudden she's part of the infected. Nonsense. She had, we, we've been talking about it on the regular show. It's nonsense. So now the infection is done. We ended up talking about Wonder Woman last week. You end up having Donna Troy show up. And we said maybe it would have served better if she was still infected how it's going on. But you realize Steve, Steve Orlando there was showing that a non-infected Donna Troy is a pretty good character, pretty good gal. Hey, you know, a bang-up gal she was who ends up saving a kid while telling the whole four horsewomen I don't want to be involved with you. We'll see how it plays out. But you end up two issues left. They're digital only issues with Supergirl, a book who, again, it's been held captive. The the fans that keep buying this book are just waiting, just need one little glimmer of their favorite character being the way that they love the character. You have two issues. You end up having the infection over so you can be like Supergirl. You know what? That infection over. I'm glad that that's over now. And just have her save some people. Have her be Supergirl. Have her be a super gal. Nope. What she does to this whole issue is have flashbacks of being infected. Have the idea that she might be still dark and mean. Have a weird deal where the government's still after her, which, okay, that would make a little more sense. But can't you play it out that she ends up being a hero with that? She ends up being delusional. She ends up being dark. She ends up being just bad. Crypto shows up. Poor Crypto is trying his best to get the the hope and dreams back into this book. Doesn't doesn't do it. Doesn't do it because she's just going around. Oh, no. Uh, Where am I? Oh, am I in Smallville again where they hate me? Oh, no, no. I'm where there's a hurricane. I'm going to save some people. All right. Well, here's you. I'm, I'm evil again. It just goes back and forth. It's nonsense. And plus, it's a non-story. It's a just nothing going on. You do have Supergirl saving kind of a girl and her sister that are in an area that's having a hurricane, it seems, in Florida. But the, the idea, the girl says to Supergirl, I'm going to stay here. Because we're waiting for our parents to come back. They haven't come back. Please have Supergirl go and take them somewhere safe. Take them to the Fortress of Solitude and say, I'll go find your parents. Something like that. Not, all right, well, here's some toilet paper. Smell you later. That's all she does. She ends up doing this. Now, the other thing, I said it's not the script or the art's real fault, but there are some problems. And I think the art's way off on this issue. There are some very confusing progressions. There's a point where you end up having Supergirl crash into a, 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 a roof that flies off. And then she we better find out what that crash was. Well, you just saw that. They go off. You end up having this whole deal of her thinking back and kind of getting, again, delusional that she's back on Krypton as it gets destroyed. Oh, no. Now she's infected again. She ends up seeing and yelling at a vision of the Batman who laughs. All of this going on while... The people in Washington, D.C., and this woman general who was against Kara for a couple issues really didn't play out well in the infected deal when she was in Smallville is still keeping an eye and then basically says to everybody in Washington, D.C., like, you could do this. I I could see this. I'm going to do this myself and ends up going on and getting into a mecha suit to be a Transformer and to go 
fight Kara. And that's pretty much all you get. I'm I'm not going to spend too much time on this because it's nonsense. It is awful nonsense that is just dark for no reason now. You're done the infection. You get to tell two issues for everybody to at least leave the show with a smile on their face. You can end up, this could be a concert where you end up having a a band play the worst bunch of songs, these new songs that you hate, but as long as they end with that encore of your three, four favorites, maybe you can say, well, at least I got those. It was worth sticking around for. And now you get this. You get this just garbage. And again, it was not sent out to review Almost like movies that aren't sent out to review. That always spells trouble. And I see. I think that DC is just quietly putting this out. They don't want anybody to get involved. Yet they're going to put it out there. And fans are going to buy it to get nothing but a reminder that she was infected. And that was not the character that they love. So there you go. Nonsense. Ange gave it a 2. Dan gave it a 1.5. I, it's 1.5 and they're so low a score, but I'm going to give it a 2.5. It's garbage. It's complete and utter garbage. And it treats Supergirl and her fans just like a joke. So I, I just say to you, don't buy it. Don't buy it unless you want to just read it and go, oh, boy, that was pretty bad and really nothing. And then doing that, oh, just garbage. But I'm going to move on to the next book, which actually is not garbage. And it's Birds of Prey. Sirens of Justice, number one. And this is something that out of nowhere, oh my, what's going on? A digital only Gail Simone Birds of Prey. And a lot of people listening right now will tell you that their favorite Birds of Prey run was Gail Simone. So this is big. This is really big in my mind. Now, this first issue, not the greatest in a way that it's not really hard hitting. What it seems Gail Simone is doing is getting you up to speed or at least introducing you to the team she's going to use. She's also going to give you the characters to show you how and what the voice is that she'll use. And remember, these were part of the Walmart Giants and pretty much the initiative of that. The reason for those were to get new readers into comics, get new readers who, yeah, and maybe even younger readers who are walking around Walmart. Hey, mommy, I want to get that. Oh, well, at least wants to read. He hasn't read anything. Some of them Harry Potter books and ends up getting this for them. And they are introduced. Oh, who who's in this? Black Canary, Huntress, and, and Harley Quinn. Let me see. Okay, I kind of know what they're about now, and I want to move on. That That's basically what they are doing here. And Gail Simone really goes with that plan In this first issue, you do have some bad guys. You do have a mystery. That kind of is the secondary deal. The real thing is to see the team, see the team kind of come together and then also get, okay, you you get the idea of how Gail Simone's going to write this, especially a Harley, because who knows? When you get Harley, you never know how people are going to play out with that. But I'll give you the credits. It is an issue called Fight or Flight, written by Gail Simone, Art by Anaki Miranda, colors by John Calise, and letters by Travis Lanham. And I'm going to tell you this right now. With these digital first, some of them come off as, okay, I can see why this never really made the big time. Uh, you know, now it is a little more with these digital first deal, but these were in 100-page issues at Walmart. And to get that to be a viable thing, 
you had to add three or four classic issues in with these to go. These were the springboard issues. These are the more open, I, I hate to say generic, but a lot of them feel that way, especially the first couple. So you, you can tell all that. But what I wanted to say is the art for most of these is really, really good. There's not a lot of these where the art is terrible. And I think that that's where you're going. You're getting issues that may not be the biggest. And these aren't really necessarily in continuity stories either. A lot of them really are way out of continuity. But you get the great art there. So there you get little kids. They're there reading it. And it doesn't have to be little kids. But they're, oh, man, I like this art. And you get enough of the story, which is more about introducing the characters. And that's what this issue is all about, where you end up having Harley going to Black Canary and Huntress and saying, hey, gals, what's up? You know what's going on here? I heard that there's problems down at the old hospital. I hear that there's a mystery that might be mob related. And really, if you're going to add anything in and you want to become part of the if I wanted to be part of the birds of prey right now, I would show up and say, hey, Black Canary, love your band. And to Helena Huntress, you just mentioned the mob and she is in. That is her trigger. Everybody seems to know it, though Harley references later. What's with this gal and the mob? But that's what this all leads to. So you end up finding out what the triggers are. Now, in this, you have Black Canary being the the sane one, or at least the one who's reasonable, where on the one side you have Crazy Harley, who's talking her deal, and the other side you have ultra-violent Crazy Helena. I love all three characters, so it's not any shade here, but... They're like, all right, we're going to be the secret team. We're going to go. We're going to find out because there's trouble at the hospital. I think that they are, you know, siphoning money out. There's mob things involved. And you do have the three of them go off to see what's going on. And as Black Canary says, well, listen, we've shown up at this, you know, hospital work site deal that they're building. They're actually building the hospital. And they're, they're there. And Black Canary's like, okay, listen, we don't know if these people are guilty, so we can't just go down there and beat the crap out of them. What we're going to do is we'll wait until it thins the herd here. People go home for for the night. They leave where uh, – and what we'll do is we'll find the guy with the fanciest car, and we'll follow him. Where would everybody go? Because Harley and Huntress – have left and she goes man they batman me and they have and they've gone pretty much to just you know get beat up people they are now gonna solve some you know solve crimes and making up rhymes they are beating the crap out of what looks like paramilitary guards and so when they're doing that you have already set up that helena does not really like harley doesn't trust them but they both love to fight and they do seem to be having fun together doing that but then when it did end, Harley throws a little shade at Helen and says, hey, Huntress, uh, you, you didn't get this guy before you hit the alarm. There's going to be people. Reinforcements are going to show up. There's going to be problems here. And that is going to be the case. And what they end up saying is, let's go and try to find some evidence. But we'll also see when the reinforcements show up, if they're the police We'll know that these people are on the up and up, and oh boy, we made a mistake. If they end up having bad guys show up, then we know, okay, they weren't on the up and up, and let's kick some butt. Well, they end up going in, and they go through some files. They go into the office. You have Black Canary using the Canary Cry to break into the office and to break open a safe. And what comes then, which they do find, look, I told you, 
they end up having this mob ties the mob. There's so many millions of dollars being involved that it's not a shock. Well, what they think, at least Helena and Dinah think the reinforcements have arrived and the reinforcements are poison ivy. And they think that Harley has completely set them up. You set us up. This was all you and Poison Ivy doing this. What's going on? And before anything can be sorted out, they end up in a big battle. Now, earlier, you did have Dinah and uh, Helena say to Poison Ivy, or say to Harley, hey, you're not telling, you know, you're not lying to us. You're telling us the whole story. Yeah, and she had her fingers crossed behind her back because she knows that Ivy's going to be involved. Ivy isn't the bad gal, though. Ivy is there because she has an issue with all this going on, too. And what the big wraparound is are these people who are doing this mob-funded, laundered money-type deal with this hospital, then are going to use that to end up doing things like filling in the bay, which is going to end up causing a lot of problems to the plant life and things like that. Thus, Poison Ivy is involved. You do end up having the let's fight before we become friends deal that we get in comics a lot, where the misunderstanding of all this causes the deal of Helena and Dinah attacking Poison Ivy, Canary Cries going, all that. You end up having crossbows. Crossbows and cries, I'd call it. They end up fighting until the point where the real reinforcements show up, which are, it seem like, again, paramilitary mob guys that show up and the birds of prey realize, hey, Poison Ivy, you weren't the bad person, were you? No, no, I just came here to kind of, you know, take care of business too and join up with you. Well, why didn't you say, well, you know, you guys started pointing crossbows and crying at me. I had to fight and well, that wasn't a good plan. Well, I didn't say it was a good plan. So they're going to team up. And basically, they lift her up. As I'm telling you, the bad guys are very nice to allow them to kind of do all this and get ready to fight, which they then do. Poison Ivy continues in this to show she is kick butt as they go through. But the whole thing is by the end, they end up, you know, being able to defeat these people. You're led to believe that they will end up going and telling the police about all this. All this will be shut down. And in a, in a nice deal, too, what I really do like, you end up having Harley going to the Birds of Prey saying, hey, can I join in with you? We can go find this deal. Okay, well, then when Poison Ivy shows up, you end up having Dinah and and Helena say, well, why? Why didn't Harley tell us the whole story? Why didn't you do this? Why didn't you come to us and say, well, I only trust Harley. Like Harley is the trust between both teams. And it's kind of a cool deal because Harley does stop Poison Ivy from possibly killing a guy. And while you're getting a narration from Dinah about the whole thing, because the whole deal with the birds of prey, they have some sketchy background thing. They, they have some things they've done or came from that's not the greatest, but that allows them to be a team and to have each other's backs and to trust each other and throughout this whole issue the whole thing is the idea of you know is gotham black or white is it bad and good or is there a gray area and it's the gray area that they kind of fill in and i did like it i hope that poison ivy was staying with the team it does seem like she's leaving at the end but it looks like we'll get dinah harley and helena as the Birds of Prey, hopefully adding some. I'd love cast to show up. Things like that would be awesome, but we'll see. We'll see how it plays out. Um, I'm giving this a 7.5. I think the art's really good. Harley seems a little off at points, but off in the way that 
Anaki Miranda makes her look so crazy. So I think that it's off on purpose that way. Just seems like really over the top at one point. But I like the story enough, but it is just a setup. The actual story behind everything doesn't matter as much as seeing the team come together. Now, when we go forward, I expect it to get a lot better. And I'm looking forward to that. I gave it a 7.5 on my review on the site. And I'm going to move to the last issue, another digital first deal. That is Batman Gotham Knights number six, an issue called Balahushka. And it's written by Mark Russell. Oh, Mark Russell. Mark Russell, art by Victor Bogdanovic, inks by Jonathan Glapion, and colors by Ivan Placencia. Again, very quality art, though, at this point, and this is kind of shade, but not. Victor Bogdanovic on a a Batman title really does point out and remind you that he does draw things pretty much like a Greg Capullo. It's nothing that uh, this isn't mind blowing. This has been his style all along. At points, it seemed like Greg Capullo was even angered about it. I think at this point, I was expecting it to start evolving more, starting to look like his own deal, having him kind of get his own. Uh, no, and, and who knows when this was done or whatnot, but boy, this is right back to this looks like Greg Capullo art. And in a Batman book, that fits, but it also just kind of points that out a little more. But you end up having an issue that I did not like, and I did not like for the main fact that the issue makes Batman look like a complete a-hole. It makes him look like an idiot who can't figure out the repercussions of anything that he does, and he ends up causing all the trouble only to have the Joker be able to jump in and do something that isn't breaking the law but putting people in you know, danger, and then for Joker to actually be able to have the punchline at Batman that he's the villain, that might be clever, but... It just keeps pointing out the awfulness of this. And and this is where you need a setup. And it's not set up. And I'm saying a lot of these Mark Russell deals that he's doing on this Gotham Knights book are one shots. You don't have a lot of space. These aren't, you know, oversized 40 page issues. You get about 18 pages here, if not a little less to tell your story. So some things are going to have to be rushed into and things like that. But you start with Batman pretty much. Being told by Alfred, hey, sir, uh, looks like the city doesn't have a lot of crime going on. It's never been this clean. This is awesome, isn't it? And you have Batman say, well, you know, I kind of got sick and tired of going after the big guys, the bosses and the kingpins. You know, I'm sick of going after the Riddlers and the Penguins and the Mr. Freezes. So what I ended up doing is going over the low level criminals, you know, just Johnny Criminal on the streets. So basically... Just imagine the idea that Batman, without any setup here, has decided, you know what? Going after these big wigs, going after the the big hunt, that's too much work. And, And really, what do I end up doing anyway? They get out again. Again, this is a trope, but it's the trope of this is, in my mind, where Mark Russell thinks that he's playing the game and just saying, well, Batman's smarter than this. He realizes that if he does this, no, to me, the reason why Batman is so great is because he refuses to kill these villains, which does allow them to escape, but he'll always be there to go after them again. 
He'll never give up. He'll never give up that fight, even though he knows that it's a never-ending battle because he will not go across that line that he has. He could easily stop all this by killing every one of these people in town. So Mark Russell is going to play the idea, though, that Batman is going to quit doing that. He's going to go after the low-level guys, the you know the hired thugs, the guys. It, even the way it's played out, it looks like these guys. Yeah, well, we're not going to go after the big corporations that make the painkillers. We're just going to go after Johnny drug dealer who sells to seven people on the corner. We're going to take them down. It, it goes through that whole so, and that's Mark Russell social commentary. That is fine. It would fit in some books. To me, it doesn't fit in Batman because it just goes against the idea. And I do think that one of the problems that Mark Russell has writing Batman, if you've read Mark Russell's stuff, social commentary out the wazoo, that's what he's into. Yet he's forced to write, not forced, but he's writing a character who is a billionaire. One of the things that he likes to rail against. Now, he played it well a little bit before where you had Bruce using that as the undercover way of taking down these other piece of crap billionaires. But even then, the Joker being in that issue had to come and yell at Batman or Bruce Wayne, at least at the end. Hey, by the way, I, I figured out that those piece of craps, they were laundering money through your, your whole deal. So you're a piece of crap, too. Y- you always have to have that dig. I don't want to read Batman books where he's getting digged into. I don't want to read a Batman book that the whole concept is look at the billionaire, never knows what's going on and thinks that now that then. So let me get in. After all that ranting and raving, let me tell you the progression here. You end up having Batman say, I'm not going to go after the bigwigs because that doesn't do anything. I'm going to go after the low level criminals, which ends up meaning instead of arresting the penguin, he's going to arrest the penguin's. 80 thugs instead of getting the riddler he's going to get his 30 men instead of getting mr freeze he's going to get his 15 guys this makes them not able to function because they're pretty much lazy and don't like to do things on their own is what i always think but that also means that instead of arresting three people and i didn't listen to my math i was doing but you could end up saying, instead of three people getting arrested, you just arrested 115, which overcrowds the prison system, which makes the city need to divert funds from their whole citywide health care into making more prison deals. This is a social issue that we have now. This is a social issue that in this comic makes Batman the pieces of crap that end up ruining it for everybody in our world. And so now Gotham is worse for everything because Batman did not think ahead. A Bruce Wayne runs a multi-billion dollar company who always thinks ahead, did not understand that if he arrested 115 people instead of three without making any sort of precautions to it, that you're going to end up making the whole city topsy-turvy and not end up being able to have this health care where you go then seeing that the Joker uses this as his opportunity to start a YouTube channel uh, where, hey, and starts like a Twitter slash YouTube type thing. Hey, everybody, all you have to do, you don't have health care and you're sick? Well, what you have to do is go on and send me videos of you doing crazy things. And when you do it, yell, Baliushka, 
as you do it and, and ah, go crazy with it. I'll pick five people by the end of the week and I will pay all their medical bills. One of the guys who was against this is a priest who's like, no, 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 I'm going to do this. We're selling muffins. We're doing this. Eventually he gets so desperate because he finds out he's sick that he's going to do a video. Now people are running out in front of traffic. The one guy jumps into a cement mixer and it's getting more and more dangerous as it goes. The one thing that I didn't like, it's not real fun. It's not a real fun. The concept seems like it would be. But Mark Russell doesn't go too big with it enough for me to think that it's hilarious. But also, what's Batman doing? This seems to go week after week. What's Batman doing? Batman still not figure out. That the reason why these people need this is because of his nonsense of pretty much getting fish in a barrel, getting the easy street thugs in jail, that that hasn't caused the problem here. And, And even with this, he doesn't go. Now, this is the thing. Mark Russell is making it that Batman does not think down the line and still can't figure out what the bad thing of this is, who the bad guy really is, because he just blames now, man, look at that Joker making people do jackass on the on the Internet. He's bad and ends up finally doing a research, seeing that he has a moth behind him, that then he re- uses his smarts there to be able to find a, oh, he must be at that at the old Christmas tree farm where he goes and finds him and goes to bring him down. And then as he's bringing him down, beating the crap out of the Joker, The Joker says, I didn't create this. I'm not the bad guy. You end up having Batman says, you've created a perpetual motion machine powered by human misery. Because the Joker says, you know what's the greatest about these videos is I've pretty much gotten so much money from the ads. Again, like a YouTube deal. I got so much money from the ads from these that it's actually funding itself now even if you kill me now or put me in jail, it still goes on. The money keeps racking and the money's going into this fun for these people to make videos, for these people to get these health insurance deal. And then Batman says, you created this out uh, a machine powered by human misery. And then the big kicker is Joker says, but I didn't create it. You did. You were so busy cleaning the streets, you ignored the festering sewer under your feet. Ha ha ha. Batman flips out. Oh, my God. How did it take till that point that Batman realized, oh, my God, you know, I shouldn't have done this. We're going to have to figure something out. Well, I'm Wayne Industries, so I will fund the prisons. I will do this. Or how about we not arrest everybody? You got to figure something out. Now, the whole concept of this issue is you never can solve this problem. But you've made Batman look like a jerk. You've made him look like an idiot, a pig-headed idiot who we're told all the time he prepares for everything prepares for everything but what the repercussions of his of his actions this is awful it's awful it's a i'm telling you you put this in another comic with characters that would make more then okay then we have a thing but making batman in a batman comic look like a dolt, look like a jerk, it, to me is infuriating and there's no reason for it. So I got mad See, because then you end, okay, Bruce Wayne, the billionaire, well, he has the money, he can make things happen. So now how he's going to solve this is he goes to his billionaire friends and says, hey there, people, what we're going to do here is why don't we fund 
These medical expenses are self. The rich of Gotham will put a fund together and we'll do that. Well, you end up having the one guy say, well, we can do this because these, you know, Baliushka videos, which ends up being pulled out in the middle where Batman is desperately trying to figure out that word. It does sound Russian, but it isn't. It's a made up word. That's all it was. It's a diversion. It goes on a little too much. But you end up having the one guy, well. I recommend we reinstate Gotham's health care fund. We could. I don't know. Take the money from the college fund or something. All right. That sounds great. There's Bruce Wayne. Yeah, that sounds great. We'll, we'll get the college fund out there. All right. Well, aren't you realizing then that this is going to cause the next thing that the Joker can make these videos for? You're the perpetual misery here, you, you jerks, because then this happens. Everybody has their health care through the billionaire fund. But now everybody who's going to college ends up needing money to pay off their student loans. Student debts reached an all time high. It seems that afternoon when this is done, it seems like that afternoon. Oh, my God, it, it, I, I can't pay my deal. I didn't get that scholarship or that nonsense. So they just end up starting it up again. And it is that whole idea, that social commentary of you can't fix it because it's inherent a problem with this whole deal. And if you try to fix one thing that causes another, well, in my mind, it's just me, I would say that health care for everyone in Gotham is a little better because I went to I went to college. I paid my way through college. So these people who are upset, then, oh, my God, student debt. Yeah, student debt. That's You're supposed to pay. Pay your bills, people. I ended up working for two years to go to college. Take that. And then I was in a band to pay off my deal. I'm there in Gotham. I'm like, I'm sitting pretty. Whatever, though, I'm here without a job. So what did it do me? But, yeah, overall, it's just that whole idea. This is a book. If you like Greg Capullart, you'll like it, right? Hey! There. And, uh, yeah, with that, though, I, I hate reading a book where, uh, you know, and we, we complained about Tom King's Batman, where Batman doesn't do much and he's miserable the whole time. But at least he wasn't looking like a complete jerk. Like, th- this is awful. It, it's basically the concept of Batman creates his own villains and he's looking in the mirror to see his worst one. Himself! Thank you! Nonsense. So that's that. And I gave it a, a FU5. Just a complete FU5 is what I'm doing. Do you know what I am saying? I do know what you're I saying. I do what I want. Yeah. So here we are at the end. But thanks, everybody, for listening. I hope you enjoyed this little bit of a streamlined deal. We go through four books here. And let me tell you now, because I skipped it at the beginning, if you want to find us, we're on Twitter at WeirdScienceDC. We have a website, WeirdScienceDCComics.com. And as I mentioned at points, we have a Patreon account where you can go and support us for all we do at Patreon.com slash WeirdScience. Get a ton of shows in return, exclusive shows, a lot of stuff. So check that out. That'd be awesome. But also, come on, come on back, y'all. Come on back on Sunday night to hear us. Me and Eric is the us talk about a bunch of books that came out this week, as well as continuing going through the Flash Rebirth Classic Series by Jeff Johns, because that was what we were starting when we didn't have any comics. We're going to end that in the next couple of weeks and go on, but also a bunch of new books, including the Justice League, 
end up having i mean i don't even know what else came out all those books are but yeah we'll be doing that this sunday come back and check us out and thank you and i'll talk to you later